awesome. It's good to see you guys here tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. Come on, praise the Lord. Let me tell you something that's really cool that I think you guys are going to really like is remember when I was saying, like, let's fill up every chair and I'll shave my head, remember? And we basically, we basically do that every single week now. But some people are like, are you going to shave your head now? See, no, that wasn't the challenge. See, i got to challenge you guys. See, that was when we were running about 50. And when we were running about 50, I was like, man, let's double up and just blow this place up. Now watch this. Watch this. Everybody listen to me. Nancy forgot to announce it. But for the Soldiers for Christ night, that is May 30th, 730, if we bring 150, 150 people, I will shave my head. Okay? So I want to see you all pack this place out. Right now we have a little bit less than 100. So that means everybody's got to bring at least one friend and blow this place up. And 150, I will shave my head. Look at your neighbor and say, 150. He's going to shave his head and say he's going to look sexy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, everybody raise their hand who has a Bible. Okay, put up your Bibles in the air. Come on, everybody put them up. Okay, now those that don't have Bibles, we, we recopped on Bibles. I want you to uh, look, ushers right now, find some people that don't have their hands raised. Keep your hands raised if you got your Bibles up. Come on. This is called Holy Ghost Aesthetic, Calisthenics. One, two, three, four. One, two. Come on, keep them up. Ushers, if you guys could move quickly right now, we would get on with the service. Come on, quickly. Put them in between them. Now, those of you who are getting Bibles handed to you, that is because you are retarded and again, get your own Bible. Okay? Now, that means next week, don't be retarded. Get your own Bible. Now, put your Bible up in the air. My retarded people with my smart people. Come on. That's right. Pastors still love retarded people. God didn't say I couldn't love retarded people. I love them all. All right. Now, everybody say this with me. This is my Bible. It is my basic instruction before leaving earth. My Bible teaches me how to live, teaches me how to treat my family. It makes me a great person. This Bible is what I'll be rewarded for or condemned for on Judgment Day. I am blessed when I keep the words of this book. Now, if you believe it, make some noise with your Bible. Whoop, 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 whoop. Awesome. Now, turn in your awesome Bible to John chapter 8. We are starting now a new chapter. A new chapter in the series of John. We are going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of John. We are now in chapter 8. If you want to listen to all of the past sermons, go to the website, Metro Praise or Elevate Chicago MySpace, be a friend, and then hook up and listen to I got it, all the messages there, right there in our MySpace. If you've ever listened to a message, somebody say, Pastor's a good pastor. Thank you for listening to those messages. I put them up there for you. Chapter 8. Today we are going to say this together. Leave your life of sin. One, two, three. That's what we're talking about. Now say it together. One, two, three. I don't want a retarded congregation, y'all. I need y'all to be crazy on fire for Jesus. One, two, three. Now those that are being even simple-minded, not opening their mouth, shout it in their face and make them feel silly for not saying anything. One, two, three. I want, Vanessa, I want you to yell it right at Max. One, two, three. That's right. That's right. That is right. The Bible says you got to leave your life of sin. If you're in chapter 8, say, I'm there. All right. Follow along as I look at my big Bible. John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. How many know what adultery is? That means this woman was having sex with married men, and she was not married to them. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to sown such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. 
When they kept on questioning him, he strained up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Who would have been throwing a stone? Any of you guys? Okay, didn't think so. Let's go on to verse 8. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Everybody say it together. One, two, three. Go now and leave your life of sin. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you to teach us from your word what it means to leave our life of sin, what it means to be forgiven, and how to live a new life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. The back of uh, your announcements or notes, and I want you to follow along. This woman was having sex with men she wasn't married to. And here's Jesus walking along, and these religious people who you've learned a lot about so far, the religious people were called Pharisees, Jews. They take this woman, and they bring her before Jesus, and they say, should we stone her? Now, the first question I want to ask myself is, if they caught this woman in adultery, where's the man? See, I don't know if you all caught that. It said that they caught the woman in adultery. That means they saw her doing the freaky deaky, the funky chicken. But they only brought her. So right here you see that they're going to blame it on the woman. I would have liked the man to have been there as well. Because the Bible teaches in the Old Testament both of them are guilty. So ladies, don't let any man take advantage of you. And men, don't let any women take advantage of you. Because when you stand before God, you're going to be held accountable for everything that you did. I need someone to sit with these little junior hires up here. Now listen to me. They throw the woman down. She might have just been in her nightgown. She might have been with her hair all hanging up. Pull up a chair and sit next to him. And in front of everybody, they now ask Jesus, What are you going to do, Jesus? How many think that would be a pretty big test? Now, let me explain to you why this was a big test. Number one, in the Old Testament, when the law of Moses came, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt obey your parents. You all remember the Ten Commandments? When God gave Moses those Ten Commandments, you know what he said? If anybody breaks them, kill them. If anybody lives a life of a liar, kill them. If anybody murders somebody else, kill them. Some of us are happy we don't live in that time right now. Amen? If anybody steals anything, kill them. Some of you all take the name of the Lord in vain like it's no big deal. Oh, Jesus this, GD that. You act like it's no big deal. That means you're a blasphemer. God said they blaspheme, kill them. Now, one of the commandments is thou shall not commit adultery. And then the Bible goes on to say anyone caught committing adultery, stone them, kill them. Because God is serious. Now, right here is one of the biggest misunderstandings that we have about this story. And I really feel bad for those of you who don't go to Bible college and haven't studied like I have to find out the truth. Because most simple-minded people read this and they think when Jesus said to her and to the people, more, more or less the people listening, he who's without the sin, who he was without sin, throw the first stone. A lot of people think that Jesus was saying, I'm not down with stoning. A lot of people think that what Jesus was saying is, hey, you know what? I'm not that mean. I don't really get upset about people committing adultery. No, 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 no. No, that was not what he was saying at all. What he was saying to that woman is, these men want to be the one to condemn you, but are they without the same sin? You see, those same men, Jesus was saying, you commit adultery. And you aren't fit to judge anyone. And I want you to think about this. It's not wrong to tell each other that you're in sin or you're doing something wrong or you need to be punished. It's not wrong for your parents to punish you. It'd be like your mom about ready to whoop you. And you'd be like, the first one without sin, put on the first whooping. And, and, and you'd be, you know, your mom would be like, hey, I'm not with, I, you know, I've sinned, so I can't whoop my child. No, 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 no. Jesus is not saying that, that policemen can't arrest you. No, no, no. What Jesus was saying right here was the ones who brought the woman were the same ones that were with the woman. And he was saying, why y'all want me to stone her when y'all got the same sin? I'm going to teach you about that today. 
See, a lot of people misunderstand this story, and they think, oh, you can't judge me. No, you can't judge me, Joe. You can't judge me. No, 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 no. Jesus wasn't saying it was wrong to pull out this woman and to say, you know, she shouldn't be committing adultery. No, that wasn't the problem. The problem was the people who were pulling her out were sinners just like her, and they were trying to make themselves look better. And Jesus had to say, if you're without sin and you want her to die, then you throw the first, you throw the first stone if you're without sin. And I want you to understand this. When he looked at her, because the men walked away, and he looked at her and he said, where are the people to condemn you? And he said, neither do I condemn you. That does not mean he gave her permission to do that. He was not saying, okay, since everybody's left and they're not going to stone you because they're doing the same thing, no, I'm not going to condemn you because it's okay. No, what he was saying is, I'm going to give you a chance of forgiveness. And so in this story, the last line, I believe, is the most important. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. Are you all with me? Replaying the story. Woman caught in adultery. They don't bring the man. They throw the woman right before Jesus. They then say, should we stone her? They want to get Jesus to show that he's a wimp and a sissy. He says to them, those who are without sin in this category, throw the first stone. They know that they're caught. And then Jesus goes down and starts to write down on the ground. What do I think he wrote down? All the different names of the women they had been with. He's looking right at him and he's like, okay, Bob, Shirley, Margaret, I know their names. Now they leave. Jesus alone with the woman. He looks at her and he says, okay, where are your condemners? She says, no one, Lord. She, he says, I don't condemn you, but go now and leave your life of sin. What I want to teach you today is how, if you've even been, if you've been bad like that woman, how today to be forgiven and how to live a life free from sin. Somebody say, I, right. I want you to turn with me to the first scripture, Galatians 5:19. You see, this is probably one of the most misunderstood passages of the book of John. And today I'm going to help you understand it. Somebody say, teach it. You see, a lot of people say to me, they say, oh, pastor, we all sin. We're all sinners. You know, I'll see somebody caught in a sin. They'll say, pastor, you sin. I want you to understand there's a difference. And you're going to learn that. Number one, look at your questions. Why did the Jews want to stone the woman? Because she was caught in adultery. Number two, where did they get the idea to stone her? The Old Testament. And why were they trying to use that against Jesus? Because they wanted to see what Jesus would say. If he was going to stone her, then all the people around him would feel like he was a mean guy. If he said not to stone her, then he would be breaking the law of Moses. So they wanted to put him in a rock and a hard place. Number three, when Jesus said those without sin throw the first stone, what did he mean? What he meant was... If you're not doing the same thing, you can judge her. But if you are doing the same thing, you can't judge her. What did he not mean? Everyone listen to me. What he did not mean was no one can judge anyone else. That was not what he was saying. He was not saying you cannot judge other people in their sin because you're about ready to look how Paul was. You're about ready to look about what good pastors do. Good pastors are going to tell you when you're in sin. He was not saying no one here can point out each other's sin. No, what he was saying is if you're doing the same thing, you're in trouble. Somebody say, help us. And when Number four, when Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, did that mean that Jesus did not think she should be punished? Yes or no? When Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, do you think he was saying to her, hey, you just committed adultery. Ah, no big deal. If you want to do it again, that's fine. I don't condemn you. Just go on about your way. Yes or no? He knew that she should be punished, and you're going to learn that right now. And what, what happened? To, oh, we're going to get to number uh, five. Look at Galatians 5.19. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Now, before we look, get there, everyone look up here, please. There was two things that Jesus said to the woman. The first thing he said to her was, where are your condemners? There's no one, right? And she said, there's no one. And then he said, neither do I condemn thee. I'm going to tell you why he wasn't going to condemn her. Look at Galatians 5:19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, going all the way down to verse 21. And the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live this way shall not inherit the what? They shall not inherit what? So question number five. What will happen to sexual and moral people on Judgment Day? They shall not what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Well, hold on. I thought Jesus said, neither will I condemn you. 
I thought the Old Testament said that he had to stone her because he was without sin and he could have stoned her. If that would have happened to anybody else before the time of Jesus, they would have stoned her. Y'all give me your attention. Everybody get this today. Some people think that your God is not a God of punishment. Your God is a God of punishment. You're going to understand right now, all of you who are living in sin and you think it's cute and you think it's fun, you're going to understand you will be condemned one day. But there's only one reason why he said to her at that point, I don't condemn you. You're going to figure it out. Let's keep going. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 with me. I got to first tell you that sin is going to be punished. That when you meet Jesus on judgment day, if you are still that adulterer, if you are still that murderer, if you are still that liar, you will be punished. You will be condemned. You will be damned to hell. You will not go to heaven with sin in your life and think that God is going to say to you that day, I don't condemn you. You have believed a lie. People have used this story to lie to you. And I'm showing you it's not true. Paul said in Galatians 5.19, I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not inherit. Look at Ephesians 5 verse 3 through 7. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality covers adultery, homosexuality, oral sex, all of these sex, pornography. It's all covered. So that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. You want to know where the Bible tells you not to cuss? Here it is. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. Coarse joking means to tell dirty jokes. Right there. You didn't think the Bible had your number. It has your numbers right there. Which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. You want to bet on anything in the Bible? You want to be sure of anything as a young person? Everyone look up at me. You want to be sure? Listen to what Paul says. This you can be sure. No immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You live like a whoremonger. You live like a fornicator. You live like a greedy person. You live like how this community and the people on TV are living, boyfriends living with girlfriends. You will have nothing in the kingdom of God. You will have nothing in the kingdom of Christ. Such a man is an idolater. You worship those things. You put greed before God. You put sex before God. You think it's cute. The Bible says you are an idol worshiper and you will have nothing in the kingdom of God. Look what verse 6 says. Let no one deceive you with empty words. People are trying to deceive you. They're trying to tell you it's okay. You can sin. You can be an adulterer. You can live like a hoe, a prostitute. You can be that way and get to heaven. Paul said, let no one deceive you with empty words. Their words are empty. They're lying to you. It says, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You better find out who your partners are and what they're doing and get away from them because they're not worth going to hell over. If you think you're going to show up on judgment day and have this thing happen to you, you are going to miss it. See, I've got to fast forward because some of you are already losing attention. So before you just think all I'm talking about is hell, you've got to understand this story. When he said to this woman, neither do I condemn you, the only reason, the only reason he was saying that to her, you don't die right now, is because he knew he was going to die for her. That he was going to take the wrath of God for her. Take the punishment for her. What he was saying to them is, I will take the punishment for her. You reject that, you will go to hell. If you reject Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he purchased with his own blood, his own life, you will split hell wide open. The only reason he said to her, I don't condemn you, is because he knew. And all the dirty, nasty stuff in her life he was going to take on the cross. Now, that was before he died. Now, you and I got 2,000 years of history about this. 
You right now live the way she lived. If you don't get right with God on this earth, when you face him in heaven, he will kick you out of heaven. He will say you have nothing to do here. His wrath, his anger will be against you. He does not send to hell his cute little cuddly children, his cute little sheep. People ask me that all the time. How could God send his own children to hell? Because when you die without Christ, you are not his child. You are a child of the devil and will be punished with the devil in the lake of fire for eternity. They brought her before Jesus as hypocrites. And that's why all hypocrite pastors, if they don't repent, will be the first ones hit the flames of fire too. But what he was teaching her wasn't that he accepted her behavior. He wasn't okay with her behavior. What he was saying is, I'll take your punishment. Come on, somebody say, preach him. I got to take you to the end of the book. Look at Revelations 21. Somebody said, pastor, just snap. Yes, I did. Because I don't want y'all to go to hell and be playing with the Bible. If anybody tells you another story, they are lying to you. Tell them to come talk to me, and you can stand right there. I'll respect them. I'll listen to them. Let them talk, and I'll talk. I guarantee you, my friends, I know this Bible, and this Bible's telling you something. You better not live that way. You better get right with God. Leave your life of sin. Look at Revelations 21.8. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Look at the end of the book. Look at what this is like. Your pastor is not lying to you. He is helping you. Look at what it calls people right at the beginning. Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly. Bible says you don't live for God. You followed your friends. You had sex. You didn't keep his commandments. When you stand before God, you are a coward in his eyes. But the cowardly. The unbelieving. The vile. The murderers. The sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, is your pastor preaching the word of what? Somebody say preaching. You see, it may be tight, but you know it's right. Come on, it may offend you, but it's going to help you get to heaven, baby. Listen now, the Bible just told you you can't go to heaven this way. Now you might be saying, Pastor, why did you tell us this? Because when you stand there, this ain't like you and that that woman. You are like that woman right now. You see, some of you think when you get up there, you're going to have a talk with him, and then you're going to work it out. The Bible says on that day your mouth will be shut. And obviously they couldn't make the picture the way it's supposed to be. But you will be naked before God. There will be no place to hide. He will know your thoughts before you even think them. And so on that day, there's no discussion with him. You are that woman today. You are right now given the chance today. You all understand that? Do you all understand that right now is your chance to not be condemned, but to be saved? This is your chance. That's why I'm telling you this. What he was saying to that woman was, okay, these hypocrites brought you here, but I am not going to condemn you right now. Jesus could have looked at her and said, go to hell. Die right now and be in hell with your soul for all of eternity. Jesus could have said that, but he said to her, neither do I condemn you. He said, but now leave your life of sin. He didn't say go run along your way and keep sinning and every now and then pray for help. No, he said, woman, you better leave your life of sin. You see, he gave her a chance. You see, that's the thing I want you to put in your mind today, that God is giving you a chance of mercy. It's a chance of mercy. You are like that woman before God. You know your sin. Maybe hypocrites haven't thrown you up in front of the church and told on you, but you know who you are, and you know Jesus Christ is in this place. And right now what he is saying to you is, I'm not going to judge you and damn your soul to hell. I will save you. Go and sin no more. It's your choice. You can learn something from a prostitute, baby. Come on. You can learn something from this woman tonight. Every one of us. You better humble yourself and don't think you're so proud. You better learn from an adulterous woman what it's like to get right with God. Because when this man took it on the cross, he was not saying, oh, I'm just playing around. When he went here, what he was taking was your sin. 
What he was taking was every time that woman got under the sheets and had sex with another man, she did it in secret. She didn't think anybody saw it. God the Father saw. He put it against her and says, you die with this, you're condemned. But when he went to the cross, the Father said, Jesus, if you're going to take her sin, here it is. And Jesus Christ felt the nastiness of how the Father felt about that sin. He felt every one of our sins. He knows everything you've done in dark corners. He knows every thought that you've had in your mind. He knows what you have done. And when he was on that cross, he took the world's sin. You've got to put that in your mind. Look at Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. Somebody say, preach it. Come on, if you like this, this is the word of God. And if you don't like it, I hope you get right. But now I'm going to teach you something. The good part's just about ready to come, but I had to get you there. Because they took John chapter 8. Sinners, liars, adulterers took John chapter 8 and lied to people. What Jesus was really saying there, if he was saying that nobody can judge you, that nobody can tell you that you're wrong, that's what he was really telling you. And what he was saying is is that he's not going to condemn you if you commit adultery. He's just going to give you second and third and fourth and fifth chances. That's all he's telling you so you can live how you want. They lied to you. You have no idea how many times I'll be out preaching to people on the street. You need to be born again. Oh, I go to church. I'm fine. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. If, you don't, if you're not born again, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Y'all, y'all, man, you know what? I'm going to do it my way. Look, you can't do it your way. And then I'll say something like this. You ever told a lie? They'll say, yeah. I said, that makes you a liar. You ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? They say, yeah. I said, that makes you a thief. So you're a liar and you're a thief. I say, you ever taken the names of the Lord in vain? They say, yeah, I've done it a couple times. I say, now you're a blasphemer. So you're a blaspheming, lying thief. And then you know what they say? Oh, he's going to forgive me. We all sin. He's going to forgive me, Joe. He's gonna, when I see him in heaven, he's going to forgive me. No, he's not. The reason why we preach to people is so that you will get forgiven now. And that you will get your life right now. And that now you will leave your life of sin. Hello? That now, look at what the man said. He said, now leave your life of sin. We get into that part, and that's the message is God says, I won't condemn you, but I'll forgive you. But here's the deal. Leave it. Look at Isaiah 53, 5. If you're there, say, I'm there. This is what Jesus did for you. This is what he did for me. This is why he said to that woman, I don't condemn you. But he was pierced. For our transgressions. You know what transgressions means? All the nasty things you've done. You know what that word pierced means? He was pierced in his hands and his feet on a cross. For your lies. For your adultery. Because some of you have already done it. For your smoking weed. For the things you've done. That's why. Right here. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You see, our sins, iniquity is sin. Your lies, your nastiness, your bad attitude, your disobedience. Oh, I forgot that Ten Commandment. Obey your parents. The times you didn't obey your parents. He was crushed under the cross for you. The punishment. Y'all better look right here, please. Just look at my Bible. i got to have everybody's shit. The punishment. Everybody say the punishment. Say it like you mean it. The punishment. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Why did he look at that woman and tell her, I'm not going to condemn you? Because he took her punishment. Why is Jesus Christ giving this earth a second chance right now? Because he took our punishment. If he came right now, you know how many of your friends would be in hell? You know why? Because they have not left their life of sin. And they think that when they get up there, he's going to be easy on them. No, 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 no. It's too late. The punishment was taken. You better come to Jesus. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, 
By the wounds of his body, he was whipped 39 times. Whipped on his chest, whipped on his back, whipped on his legs. Those wounds healed our soul. It says, by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord, the Father, right there, baby, look at it. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus Christ was on this cross, he bore the iniquity of us all. Today, you better take that seriously. You better not treat him like Dito Jesus. You better not treat him like he's going to be your little dirty rag. You know, we all have dirty rags in our house. I dust my house with one. You know, it's my old shirt, and I put it underneath the sink, and when I want to dust it, I, you know, spray some stuff on it. It gets all dirty, and then Nancy says, oh, it's gross. Throw it away. I'm like, oh, no, if we just flip it inside out, we can use it again. Some of y'all treat Jesus like a dirty rag. You're like, you're going to be all nasty in your life. And every day he's going to be like, clean me, Jesus. I'm so nasty. And you think he's going to clean you. And then you just take him and throw him under, underneath the sink. Go back out and live like a, like a pig and get in the dirt and the filth of this world. And then you come back into Christ and the church. And you're like, clean me, Jesus. And you think he plays that little game with you. He does not play that game with you. There will come a time when you will crawl out and he will not forgive you. Oh, y'all need to hear that. I, I was taught, Pastor, he always going to forgive me. Turn with me in your Bibles right here. To he, let's look up here, friends. I got so many. Look at all these scriptures. I ain't even got time for all this. Look at Hebrews 10, 26. Your pastor's going to teach you what you probably haven't been heard, heard or been taught before. Look at verse 26 right up here. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received The knowledge of the truth. No sacrifice for sins is left. Oh, yeah. Y'all want to quote John 3.16 all the time? Quote this one every day. If we deliberately, deliberately, you know better. You know better. You know that you're sinning. You've been told it's a sin. You know it is a sin. If you deliberately keep on playing like that. After you've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Well, what's left, Pastor? But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You can count on it. You can put your money on it right now. You can say, I keep on sinning, knowing that I'm sinning. There ain't no more sacrifice for me. Yeah, you better tell yourself. Look that up. Show that to your mom and dad. Go give that to your priest. Your pastor will tell anybody you think is religious, I will put this Bible on them, friends. And I'll guarantee you right now, after the discussion, their argument will be crushed. There is no argument that will stand against this. It is plain and simple. Most of y'all don't read your Bible. You listen to your music. You play your games. And you think it's acceptable to God. You got this whole crazy mindset of who he is. And he is not the way you think he is. He is not like you. The Bible says he is holy. Look at 1 John 5.18 right above it. It says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe. The evil one cannot harm him. Look at 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawless. But you know that he appeared, that he may take away our sins. Why did he come? To take away the filth of our lives. Don't listen to that filth on the radio. Don't listen to the filth of the videos. Jesus Christ died to take that filth out of your life. And in him there is no sin. Look at verse 6. Y'all better see this. Look at verse 6. Y'all didn't write this. This is your Bible. Some of y'all didn't read it this week. You had that spirit of the retard, but I'm helping you out. Somebody say, help him, Jesus. Here it is, verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Oh, I keep on sinning. Then I go back and ask for forgiveness. Then I keep on sinning. You are a retard in God's eyes. You are dumb. The Bible says no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, you are my children here. Mios, niñas, and niñas, do not let anyone lead you astray. 
Why is it the second time they've been teaching us about heaven and hell is tight, but it's right? They put right in the middle of that. Don't let nobody give you empty words. And then it says here, don't let anyone lead you astray. You know why? Because there are religions, there are priests, there are pastors who are lying to you. And the man of God, John, here is saying, don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Don't let anybody feed you a bunch of lies like you're just going to play this little game of sin with God. It says, he who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. When people play that game of sin, you know who they like? The devil. They ain't like Jesus. They ain't like his disciples. They're like the devil. Here's the good news. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning. You want to go out, but you can't because God's inside of you. People talk to me all the time about how strong temptation is. Man, the devil's a liar. I'll tell you who's stronger than temptation. Jesus Christ. You feel tempted to go have sex? Give God your heart. He is stronger than that temptation. You feel like cussing? I haven't cussed in 12 years. You give your heart to Jesus Christ. He will not let you go on sinning because God's seed remains in you. You cannot go on sinning because you've been born of God. Anybody here want to have that type of a salvation? Does anybody here want to live for God like that? I ain't talking about this sissy way of living for God. I ain't talking about the lying devil's way for God. I'm talking about a radical faith for Jesus Christ that says I'm born of God. I can't keep on sinning. He took the punishment for me. I'll live my life for Him. He deserves it. Nobody put that weed in your hand. You put it in your own hand. Now pick up a Bible, son, and read your Bible. Nobody made you have sex. Nobody made you go out with that girl. You need to fall in love with Jesus. You need to make a decision today that you are not some spiritual retard. You know, you can make a change. Somebody put inside your head that your flesh, your temptation, and this devil, and this world is stronger than your God. And I have come to tell you, they are liars. You can live for Jesus Christ. You can live for Him at 10. You can live for Him at 20, 30, 40. I gave up all my 20s for Jesus Christ, and I thank Him for Him. Everybody in their 20s in my age group going to Daytona Beach spring break. Shacking up with girls, got friends that got their little baby mamas and all this. I said, Jesus Christ, you put this in your word. Now help me live it. And he's kept me for 12 years. He will keep you. Oh, look at verse 10. This is how we know. Oh, I want to know. Oh, yeah, I want to know. Look, it says right here. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the. Oh, y'all, y'all better see that tonight. This is how I know. This is how he knew. Y'all know? Y'all got any knowledge up in here? This is how you know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. He was not born of God because God will keep him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. Look at the question number five. What will happen to sexually immoral people on Judgment Day? According to... Uh, Galatians and Ephesians and Revelations, they will be cast into the lake of fire. They will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Verse uh, number six. How can a sexual immoral person or any sinner not be condemned on judgment day? By leaving their life of sin. By leaving their life of sin. Explain why? Because Jesus took the punishment for them. Number seven. After Jesus saved the woman from condemnation, what did he say to her? Now leave your life of sin. Look at number eight. Does Jesus really expect you to live a life without sin? Yes, he does. Explain. Because he gave me his Holy Spirit. He gave me his word. He gave me willpower. And he expects me to use it for him. And now number nine, explain the difference from sinning as a Christian and continuing in sin as a sinner. Let me explain it to you right here.
Let me explain it to you. Here it is. I'm going to get you right up here to what John said. Look at this. Is, you know, this is John. This is his epistle. In John chapter 8, you're reading the gospel of John. This is called the epistle of John. That one is first John. That's a second John and a third John. I'm going to teach you the difference right here. Here it is. Look at verse 6. Here it is. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Here it comes again. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now, it didn't say that they, they wouldn't sin. Now, I want you to understand how you're going to look at this in life. There was a man one time that traveled from England to New York, and that's about a seven-week boat ride. And he would get in this big boat, and he would travel over to the other side. He would go from Europe to America. And when they would get on the boat and they would get away out in the ocean, the, the captain of the ship would come out and he would say, everybody get on deck. And he would point to the life jackets and he would point to the life boats. And he said, if this boat should sink, this is what y'all do. Put on a life jacket, get in a boat. He, he didn't say when the boat sinks, do this. Because how many know if you were on that boat and he said, when this boat sinks, you got to do this. You'd say, get me off the boat right now. You see, because the difference is expecting. You see, the one is saying, I'm expecting to get to the other side. I'm expecting it to be a good trip. I'm expecting this boat to make it onto the other side. But if, if something happens that I'm not expecting, if something comes like a storm from the left and we don't catch it, if it squalls up quick and comes down too fast, and if it overturns this boat, then we got a way out. Y'all understand? Are you planning on sinning? See, that's the difference. See, I don't say when I sin. I say if I sin. You see, the one that's born of God can't keep on sinning. You might say, Pastor, have you ever lusted after a woman other than your wife in 12 years? Yes, I have in 12 years. I, I have, I have a, had a time where I lusted and I said, oh, that's sin. But you know what? As a Christian, you know what I did? I can't keep on sinning. I can't keep on sinning. I can't keep on looking at her. I can't let that thought keep in my hand. Lord, forgive me. See, then I'm forgiven. And I start the next day with it in my mindset. I don't want to lust. I don't want to sin like the way I did yesterday. So I start off saying, I'm not going to sin today. But you know what the sinner does? The sinner just says, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep on doing it. Continue in it. Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like, since we're talking about sexual immorality, let me tell you what it looks like. You have a boyfriend and girlfriend. Y'all touch each other, do stuff. You know you feel bad about it. You come home at night. You say, Lord, forgive me. But then the next day you plan on doing it again. The Bible says there's no more forgiveness for you. God ain't playing that game with you. He says you don't even know him. Those of you here that you know you cuss and you listen to music that cuss, and then you come to church and you're like, man, this is dirty, obscene music. You say, Lord, I'm sorry, but then you go right out here and you put it on. You see, you continuing in sin. You see the difference? One is saying, if I sin. The other one is saying, I will sin. I will continue in sin. What Jesus Christ is looking for is people who will want to leave their life of sin. I want you to look back up at the story just so you don't think I'm making it up. When he said to this woman right here, look what he was saying to her. Again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground at this. Those who heard went away. The older ones first. Only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, No one, sir. He says, Neither do I condemn you. That's forgiveness. That's Jesus looking at Gilbert saying, hey, I'm not going to condemn you, Gilbert, for all the rebellion and all the things you did in drugs, I mean with the gangs. I'm not going to condemn you. I'll forgive you. But here's the condition. Go now, Gilbert, and leave your life of sin. You know how you know you've been forgiven? When you don't live in sin anymore. Hello? You know how you've been forgiven of anger? When you don't get angry like you used to anymore. I know that, you, that shows you've really been forgiven. You know how you know you've been forgiven of pornography when you don't look at pornography anymore. Because you're not looking at your lifeboat. You know what? If somebody went on that ship and said, hey, 
I don't even really want to be on this ship. I'd rather be on that lifeboat. You would look at them like they were nuts. And let's say they started untying that lifeboat. And they're like, hey, I'm just going to get off in the ocean in this little lifeboat. You know what you would say? You are retarded. The lifeboat was not meant to bring you from London to New York. You'll be destroyed out on this ocean. And some of you would say, oh, I got forgiveness. I got my Jesus around my neck. I'm going to sin however I want. And here's my little boat of forgiveness. You will sink to the bottom. You will not make it. But those that say today, I want to go to the other side. I want to live for Jesus like this woman. She fell on her knees and God said, I don't condemn you. Now go and live your life of sin. I bet you she was like the way I was 13 years ago when Jesus said, you can be forgiven. I said, thank you, Lord, because I've never known I could be changed. And now that I can be, I'm going to live for you. You see, that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying, I want to go with God. Forgiveness is saying, my sin, my sin, my my perversion, my anger, my lust cost him that. Next time you just want to go out and just sin. You just want to break the law of God or disobey your parents. Lust and, 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 and become angry. All of those things. Blaspheme, steal and lie. And then you just want to come here, be all cute and say, oh, Jesus, forgive me. I want you to think about this. That's what it cost him. You see, because I'm going to close it up now. Why do I don't like the way people changed our mentality on John chapter 8? Because they make us think like Jesus was just like, ah, ah, you know, y'all ain't got, y'all, y'all ain't perfect. You can't judge her. Neither do I. Just get out of here, girl. No, 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 no. What Jesus was saying is you deserve to die. And I'm the one that can do it because I'm perfect. Jesus was saying, I can pick up the stone right now. And when he said, Neither do I condemn you. I could just imagine tears coming down his eyes because he knew what that was going to cost him. For him to be able to say that to her, I'm not going to condemn you. That means he had to take the sin. Colossians 2.14 When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to it, He took it away, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus was standing there with that woman, He was saying, neither do I condemn thee. You know what He was saying? I'm going to take it to the cross. You know why today I don't want to have pornography? Because let's just think about it. If that little game works for you guys and it works for me, because if you've ever read your Bible, you'll understand there's not two different moral codes for pastors and for members. We all commanded to do the same thing. Yeah, maybe my job might be able to come up here and do this, but there ain't no two different standards. We're all supposed to live the same exact way. Well, think about how if I lived the way you lived. How would you all like that? How would you like that? How would you like it if I felt like cheating on my wife, I just cheated on her? Like how some of you guys just look at pornography. How would you like how you come in here and you confess that you were in a fight? How about you like, I, I come oh, I was in a fight this week, beat up two guys, I got jumped. How would you like you, ladies not knowing, Felicia, when you sit down in your purse, if you're going to have it back because your pastor's going to steal? How would you like that? You think it's different for me? I keep God's commands. Why? Because I know one day I will face him. And if I did not leave my life of sin, I will be condemned. Everyone stand with me, please. Stand to your feet in reverence for God. Number nine, explain the difference from sinning as a Christian and continuing in sin as a sinner. The sinner does not want to change. He keeps on sinning. The Christian is changed. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Father God, I thank you for bringing us here tonight. Would you come up here, my friend, keyboarder? Jesus, I thank you that tonight we heard the word. That you said to that woman, neither do I condemn thee. And Lord, today you want to do that for others in this room. And then, Lord, you told that woman, go now and leave your life of sin. Lord, you expected her.
to change. God, you expected her to leave that life of adultery. Now, Lord, with everybody here tonight in this place, leave that light on for me, brother. I want you to speak to those that are living in sin. And, Lord, tell them what you told that woman tonight. I have preached to them just the way you preached to that woman. Now preach to them. If you came here tonight and you believe in a God of the Bible, I ask you right now to listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. Listen. How many of you living in sin right now and God's trying to get you out of it? I could just imagine that woman saying, you know what? I don't want to leave my life of sin. I'm going to keep on living just the way that I am. You know what Jesus would have said to that woman? On judgment day, you are going to be punished. Come on, what is Jesus saying to you tonight? Specifically about the sins of your life. If there is any sin, one sin at all, that you are continuing in, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the Bible truth. You continue in lies. I don't care how many times you say you're going to change. Be honest. You're not changing. I'm going to tell you what you need. You need to come up here and repent. And you need to let God forgive you. And then you need to leave your life of sin. And because God's Spirit is in you, every effort you make to leave your sin, He will make that effort successful. And the Bible says you will be righteous because you are clothed in His righteousness. But you cannot continue in sin. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Come on. Come on, let God talk to you tonight. That story is a wonderful story. I'm going to tell you why I believe that story is a beautiful story. Because Jesus took that woman's punishment and he gave her a new life. Sin is not a part of God's plan for your life. Sin is not a part of God's plan for your life. He really wants you to leave it alone. He really does. You could call me a liar. You could call that woman a liar. But I'm telling you, I've left my life of sin. My wife has left her life of sin. There's others here that have left their life of sin. Those that can say with a clear conscience, you've left your life of sin, would you say amen? That's about a fourth of the congregation. They know what what we're talking about. They know the difference. Some of you who aren't born again, you don't understand the difference. You keep thinking in your mind, well, haven't they sinned? Well, haven't they sinned? See, you don't understand the difference. We don't set out to sin anymore. I haven't told a lie in 12 years. I don't tell lies. I have not taken something that has not belonged to me in 12 years. I have not cheated on my wife. I have not looked at pornography. Do you understand that? I have left my life of sin. I have not owned a non-Christian album in over 12 years because I don't listen to non-Christian music. You've got to get this in your mind. Whatever sins God calls a sin, you have got to get rid of today and say for the rest of my life, I don't want to sin. The good news is, is if you do sin, God will forgive you. But your heart better be, I don't ever want to again. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Come on. I want some of you to be honest with yourselves today. I want you to get that conviction today. 
I want some of you to get so dissatisfied with the way you're living that you see what God is offering you as the greatest gift. You understand why I hate the way people have destroyed John chapter 8? Because they've taken away what it really is. What it really is is God saying a woman can live a whole new life. He's promising people that they can live a whole new life. See, some of you got to get to the point that Griselda got to, that she was preaching last week. you got to get to the point that Sue Ellen got to, that I got to, that Reuben got to, that Zoila got to. You've got to get to the point where you say, I hate these things. I hate them. I don't look at sinning like I, I, I enjoy it. I hate it. My heart's been changed. Why? Because there's a new life. Think about those things. The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sure, I will. That would be fun. I'll probably be the best thing I could ever do in life. Number two, do not have any idols before Him. Well, that just makes sense. Because if I put idols before God, those idols are stupid. Those idols will let me down. And I don't know them in order, but I'll give them to you right now. Then the Bible says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. You know why? Because you respect Him so much. Why? Because you don't want to disrespect your Creator. That just makes sense. Then the Bible says, obey your parents. Why? Because they're supposed to be there to protect you, to help you. Then the Bible says, don't lie. Why? Because telling a lie hurts people. It it destroys everything that's trying to be for good. It will catch up with you. The Bible says then don't steal. Why? Because you don't want nobody to steal from you. And we don't want to live in a world full of thieves. Because it will look just like what Chicago looks like now. Every time I drive down the street, I see windows of cars busted open. Because mine got busted open too. And I notice it now. Every time I drive, I see how people break in cars. Imagine if nobody broke in cars. That's why we don't steal. The Bible says do not commit adultery. You know why you don't cheat on another man's wife? Because you wouldn't want nobody to cheat on your wife. You know why you don't go and look at pornography and become sexual and moral? It's because there's no point to that. It feels good for a minute, but it still leaves you alone. You can have a boyfriend or girlfriend, no matter how good you feel, it's still never going to be as great as a wife or a husband. You know why the Bible says to keep the Sabbath? Because there's supposed to be a day in your life where you tell yourself, I'm not the most important thing on the planet. I put God before my clothes, before my shopping, before my baseball, before my friends. I put God first on one day of the week. And I tell the whole world I could care less about making the extra team, making extra money, whatever. I put God first. That's what you say when you keep the Sabbath. And then the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. You know why the Bible teaches you not to covet, not to be jealous? Because then you'll have what we have right now in America. You'll have people fighting and killing and robbing over another pair of shoes. You'll have people right now, the average American is $5,000 in debt on their credit card. That means they're one paycheck away from being homeless. You know why? Because they covet so much. They gotta have this clothes. They gotta buy this for their kids. They gotta have the PlayStation 3. And they covet and it destroys their life. Greed destroys your life. Because you'll never have enough. Now, what sins is God talking to you about? It's time that God raises up a youth group that wants to live holy. Those of you in this place today that want to join me on my knees, I'm going to pray with you today that you'll leave a life of sin. I'm going to invite you to come to the front tonight. If you want to leave a life of sin, come to the front. 
If you don't want to leave your life of sin, just sit down. And those that want to worship God, you can join us up here at the front or stay standing. But those of you who don't want to leave your life of sin, please don't come up here. Please, please do not come up here. Don't, don't, don't lie. Don't waste your time. Don't waste mine. I'm going to pray a prayer right now to ask God to break our hearts. I'm going to ask tonight that God would break our hearts and that we would be able tonight to feel the way He feels about our sin. That today we're going to get sick and tired of living the way that we've been living. I want some of my youth leaders just to come up around these students right here. Don't lay your hands on them. Just get on your knees next to them. And I want to give you guys some time right now to make it right with God. You don't need me to tell you what to pray right now. You know what to pray. Your heart will tell you what to pray. But I pray tonight that you get broken before God and that you leave your life of sin. You leave your life of sin. Lord, I pray for the next five minutes that those who have felt convicted over this sermon will not come up next week to leave their life of sin again. That, Lord, they'll actually make a mature decision tonight to never go back. Lord, I pray that those who pray tonight do not plan on ever sinning again in their entire life, ever again. Now, Lord, I know that's impossible for us to do on our own, but you've made it possible because of your Spirit. Now, Lord, we give you these moments. We give you this service to forgive us like you did that woman and to give us a new life. In Jesus' name.